Share Care, helping you. Get younger, get guidance, get better care, get smart, get fit. Radio MD presents Share Care Radio with Daria Long Gillespie, MD. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. It's Dr. Daria. This is Share Care Radio. And I have with us today an amazing woman. You are going to want to know and hear and learn from her. Her name is Dr. Jamie Jones Coleman. She's a trauma surgeon and she's assistant professor of surgery at Indiana University. She's also the mom of two recently with a little second munchkin. And she's blogger at website Heels Kicks Scalpel. Yeah, you heard that right. It's the best name ever. You've probably also read her her blogs on Kevin MD. She's a contributor at Huffington Post, and she was recently featured in Forbes. So she also happens to be a high school classmate of mine. So I can truly say that I knew her way back when she was a big deal, which she is now. Jamie, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you, Daria. That was a uh, wonderful commentary, and I say the same thing about you. I used to know you when. So this is, uh, this is a great way to reconnect. It is so much fun, and we don't have to wear our high school uniforms anymore, which is why this conversation is awesome. Yes, even better. <laughs> now, Jamie, I want to first start off telling, talking to all of our guests. Uh, you know, you're a mother. Now, obviously, you weren't when you chose your specialty, but you chose trauma surgery, really yes. one of the specialties that is very, very male-dominated. What led you into it? You know, the first thing I say is it just fit. You know, Daria, that every specialty has its own personality, mm-hmm. has its own quirks, has its own positives and negative attributes, attributes as well. Sure. And for me, you know, I went to medical school at University of Tennessee in Memphis, and mm-hmm. it's one of the top five busiest trauma centers in the country, and I had a really early exposure. Mm-hmm. And what really drew me in was not only the surgery aspect, which I love, but it's really the patient that I was mm-hmm. able to take care of. Mm-hmm. This is an underserved population, and it's underserved because, quite frankly, the job itself is difficult. Yes. It's a difficult lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm one of very yeah, trauma few... surgery. The lifestyle yes. never gets easier. It's always it unexpected at all hours, in yes. some of the most you know most challenging and, and tough cases, gruesome cases. You know, people's worst in their lives at times. Absolutely. And Mm -hmm. the lifestyle is a big part of it in the sense of I'm one of very few types of physicians that will still work more than 24 hours in a row at the hospital. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't have the luxury of taking call from home, although I I know physicians that do that won't call that a luxury. But, um, (laughs) you know, I I, I spend nights in the hospital Mm -hmm. and it's because, Mm -hmm. as you know, these are the most severely injured patients and I have to be at their bedside within 10 minutes at any given time, any time now, of day. that's such a sacrifice. I mean, we have to just touch on that. You, when you have two kids at home, but yet you're spending nights in the hospital. Now, granted, yeah. a lot of parents of toddlers would say, you, you may actually get more sleep that way. <laughs> but um, no, but really, truly, in all honesty, like that, that must be really tough to leave your family, go spend the night in the hospital frequently. You know, it is a sacrifice. Um, you know, I always joke, a lot of women and men say that, oh, it takes a village. Well, um, it takes mm-hmm. a, it takes me a small metropolitan built, like city. <laughs> you know, I, I need like three villages to keep my world running. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Number one is I have an amazing husband mm-hmm. and I have an amazing support system. It's crucial. And it, oh, it's so crucial. You know, I have a team. I joke, mm-hmm. but I do. I have a team. My team includes people to help me take care of my children. 
mm-hmm. people to take care of my house. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah. I don't feel guilty about it, you know, because well, no, you shouldn't. keeping your you eye should. on the prize, you know, yeah. and my husband, we've been together since college, God bless him. And he, you know, he sees the good that we do as mm-hmm. physicians and he knows and that I- we're needed. And that's what must drive you. And I know it's drives, it drives all of us as physicians, you know, in the ER, very similarly, similarly, our shifts are, you know, late. They start at 6 a.m., they end at 3 in the morning. You know, there's, right. you know, because the ER, like trauma, it's, it, uh, there's no schedule to it. And uh, ER and traumas don't just happen on a nine to five basis. And we do it because even though there are very, very hard days, there are really, every once in a while, a really great day. Day. And I want to hear from you. Can you tell me, like, what's one of your best days you've had? You know, I tell everyone a big part of what I do is giving everyone a second chance as much mm-hmm. as I can because we all make mistakes. Mm-hmm. And yep. yes, one of the kind of stigmas of trauma surgery is that, oh, bad behavior led to X, Y, and Z drinking while driving, mm-hmm. texting while driving. Um, yeah. Well, you know, yeah. maybe hanging out with the wrong crowd, et cetera. But I, mm-hmm. I challenge anyone to, to tell me that they've not done something that they knew probably wasn't the right thing. Mm-hmm. Whether it's mm-hmm. small, whether it's big, anything. We've all been given second chances. We've all made yes. mistakes. It's just some get caught in different scenarios. And so, yeah, you're right. If you've been doing something in a little voice in your head, so this is probably yeah. not a good idea, then it was just by, by the grace of God that you ended yeah. up okay and not on your trauma table. Exactly. So, and so mm-hmm. leading to that, you know, I, I've i had a, I think one of my better moments is, you know, we've had multiple patients and it's that moment of when they've been through something terrible, they've been through multiple surgeries, back and forth to the operating room, those serious conversations with the family. I'm Mm -hmm. not sure if your son, your daughter, your husband is going to make it, but then they do. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you one of my favorite moments is when we are able to free them from the breathing machine. And they are Mm -hmm. able to say hello to their loved Mm -hmm. one again. Uh And I liken it to that moment, Daria, you know, through medical school, we rotate through all the different specialties and you know that moment when you deliver a baby? <laughs> I was just parents, thinking that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. When those parents get to meet their child for the first time, mm-hmm. that's the closest thing I can liken to it, where uh-huh. you are giving this person back to their loved one. And yeah. that is what keeps us going every day. Three in the morning, <laughs> three in the afternoon. Yes. That's what keeps us going. On holidays and Christmas, when you're saying goodbye to your loved yeah. ones, it's because you are going to give somebody else back to their loved ones who they could otherwise lose. That's an awesome story, Jamie. Now, on the flip side, you have, unfortunately, in our careers, we have tend to have a lot of bad days, too. And can you talk to what's one of the hardest ones you've ever had? You know, one of the hardest ones I ever had, and I will tell you from the get-go, the cases that are the hardest on physicians, on nurses, on anyone, in the hospital are those cases that involve children. Mm, yes, and I, I second I, that 1,000%. Yes, you know exactly those are the ones, what I'm talking about. Those are the ones you go home and you remember for the next however many, I imagine yes. for the next 80 years. Yes, you just don't mm-hmm. forget them. And, no. you know, one in particular was a um, small child, very close in age to my own. 
mm. and basically um, had been abused and had lost his pulse, lost his heart rate, and comes in and they're doing CPR. They're doing chest compressions on this little tiny child. Mm. And, you know, unfortunately there was nothing we could do. I, I had to pronounce this child dead. Oh. And, but the mm-hmm. thing is, and I know you know this too, is that I had to stay put together. My yeah. team needed me. Mm-hmm. That was not the time. That was not the place. Yeah. You have to be calm. You have to be authoritative. You have to take control of that room and let that entire room know you're not only taking care of that patient, but you're going to take care of them too. You're going to take care of your team mm-hmm. member. And That's... Yes. And so, you know, we get through it and, um, you know, pronounce the child and, you know, I go to support my team members. And I waited. I made it all the way back up to my office <laughs> before crying. Mm-hmm. And I That's called so my husband. True. And I, I called my husband, and I will tell you again, I'm so blessed to have him in my life. I call him, and I'm just crying. I'm just bawling. Mm-hmm. And he lets me have my mm-hmm. moment. He says, okay, you've had your moment. You could not help that child. You cannot help that child anymore, but you don't know what's coming in next. Right. And the next patient needs you more. The yep. next patient needs you more than the child you just had to pronounce that. He's like, to so take your moment, grieve, cry. Like and then pull it together because someone else is going to need you. And yes, he is so is, right. I mean, he, he is, is so right. right. And we've right? been there a hundred percent. There have been you, 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 what you say is resonates. And I think that's really important for all of our audience to hear because your patients and their families see the put, put together you. And they right. often think you know, maybe the physician was the physician didn't show they didn't see as much emotion, but there, I mean we've all had cases, especially after losing a child or a young one, a young person. I've gone back to the physician's lounge, cried for about thirty seconds, you know, yeah. slapped my face around for a second, slapped some ice underneath my eyes, Water. Yes. and gone back out because there were ten to. more patients who needed me in that ER, and they. They didn't need my judgment clouded by emotion. They needed yes. me on point. Yes. And, and it's I so think hard. That it is hard. And I think it's like this fine balance, right? Because you have to remain sensitive enough. Because if you're not sensitive, yes. you're going to stop feeling. And when you stop feeling, in my mind, you stop be, being a doctor. You stop right. being mm-hmm. a physician. Yes. But then at the same time, the last thing a patient needs is a doctor. And of course, we always say a surgeon. But a surgeon who feels sorry for themselves. Mm-hmm. So you have no. to take those moments, you have to compartmentalize, Yes, and you, but you do have to come back to those feelings, and you do have to come back to those emotions, and mm-hmm. you do have to process them, otherwise they will weigh you down. A hundred percent, and I always try to, you know, you feel them, you, you let your feel, your, feel them a little bit while you're talking to the family, you know, because you, that's human, and that lets yes. them see the humanity, but then you step out of that room, then you got to put the lid on them, because you got to get to the next patient, and that is, and- you know... But it's a balance. You are entirely right to maintain that humanity. And I think this is perfect what leads us into these mass casualty situations. mm -hmm. Exactly. 
you led, what I wrote. You led me into my next question. I know. See? Great minds Thank think you. alike. Great minds think alike. I want to talk about that. I mean, you wrote an awesome piece. I wrote. You write a, a number of really wonderful pieces. And again, all of our listeners were listening to Dr. Jamie Jones Coleman. After this, I want you to go check out our website. It is HeelsKicksScalpel.com. Uh, but Jamie, you and I were talking after the Orlando shootings and then, yeah. of course, been more. But um, one of the uh, trauma surgeons there in Orlando, Dr. Will Haverin, went to high school with us and is obviously a very close yeah. friend with you. You tell us, like, what did you think and do immediately upon hearing about Orlando and then later Dallas? So for both of these, unfortunately, or fortunately, however you want to look at it, I am very close friends with surgeons at both Parkland and Dallas mm-hmm. and at Orlando. And the very first thing I did is I, for instance, for Will, um, Dr. Haverin, I sent him a text and I just said, hang in there. Mm-hmm. I, know, I know what's going on. I know mm-hmm. you're tired. I know you have not slept. I know you have not sat down. But more than anything, I know you're doing your best, and I know you're doing the right thing. And I'm sure that and, meant so much to him. And I, you know, and we texted kind of throughout the ordeal, back and forth. And you know, the piece that I wrote for the Huffington Post, the point in that is that these situations, the ripple effect is so broad. Mm-hmm. It is the victim. It's the victim's families. It's the families of the person who perpetrated the crime. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is There's so many lives touched. So many. It. it is every mm-hmm. single EMS provider, every single person who mm-hmm. was at that scene, every person who worked in those hospitals. Yeah. They will never forget that day. Never. Ever. And I think, especially as a surgeon, you know, especially as a trauma surgeon, you know, mm-hmm. we're, we're, we don't necessarily get to the day before the case, read or refresh. No, just like in the ER, you don't get to prep. You do not know what's coming in those doors. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. You know, okay, I'm going to do this case tomorrow and I'm going to read on this. No, you you don't know. No. And, you know, it's that. And then the same thing with the emergency room. Mm -hmm. You are under a clock to make a decision. Mm -hmm. It's not just a tough decision, but you need to make it now. Right. And we talk about the golden hour. Mm-hmm. In trauma, and what that is is that's the first hour after the accident or after the injury occurs. Mm-hmm. So it's the first hour, and that's not from when they that clock does not start when they get to the hospital. No, it's from the starts, time that the accident happens. Yes. yes, yes, that clock starts when the car crashed, when the gun went off, mm-hmm. when the first punch was thrown. That's when right. the clock starts, and, and that is so crucial that first hour. Hence Absolutely. That is mm-hmm. the hour that we can make, we as trauma surgeons can make an impact on mm-hmm. patient survivable. Now, Jamie, Jamie, I want to get to, I think that's a really important point on the golden hour, but I want to back up even before that golden sure. hour, because you and I see the consequence of, see the consequences of these mass casualties, but we're also yeah. trained in what to do in the event of one. So I want to, for you know, in the last uh, three and a half minutes for all of our listeners, let's talk about that. Let's let's share some of the training that we've had. You know, I know we had training on from the department um, DHS, Department of Homeland Security, about the run, hide, fight protocol. So let's talk about that quickly, and then I'd love to hear some other ideas that you have. You know, I think the first thing, this run, hide, fight, I think is a great thing, and you know, 
Daria, we're fortunate enough to work in institutions where we do drill. Yep. Um, and not mm-hmm. everybody's that fortunate. But I think the things to focus on, number one is, you know, if you're going to be at a big public event or if you're going to be really anywhere, take a quick glance around and know where your exits are. Mm-hmm. Okay? 100%. I don't go anywhere, be it movie or a concert, yeah. before, even the plane. I, yeah. you, know, you know where your exits, know where they are, how quickly, and, and know two, know at least one, more than yeah. one. Yes. Two would be great. You should at least mm-hmm. know two exits, and it takes five seconds. Because, yeah. again, when we start talking about how to handle yourself in these situations, literally an ounce of prevention mm-hmm. is a pound of cure. Yes. And if you start noticing things aren't right, move your way to an exit. Mm-hmm. And on the run-hide fight, we talk about running. If mm-hmm. you have a sense that something's not right, Start walking quickly. You don't want to induce panic. You don't want to become panic. Mm-hmm. That's a big part right. of this as well. It's so it's true. So to true. Stay calm. Mm-hmm. As calm as possible. Yes, absolutely. And so run. And that's again. This is the mnemonic. Not mnemonic. This is the 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 philosophy. Is run. The first thing you do if you realize something's wrong. Run or as you point out, walk so you don't incite a panic. Number two, if you can't run, then you hide someplace out of sight you know underneath something lock the door turn off your cell phones do everything you can to be quiet Um, yes i think that's one thing i did want to mention is you know so hide and if you are going to get yourself behind a door try and barricade yourself if there's a heavy mm -hmm. object move Mm -hmm. anything that you can between yourself and a door yes because two to three minutes in a mass casualty shooting that those two to three minutes are precious that mm-hmm. gives time for the police to arrive. That gives mm-hmm. time for them to apprehend the person committing the crime. Mm-hmm. So true. And, you know, so I think try and barricade yourself. And then the real point that you mentioned was the cell phone. Please turn it off. You don't yeah. need to film it. We don't, don't need, need to watch it. No, no, this is not one of those instances. Yes. Do not alert the perpetrator to where you are. Yeah. Survival is key. And then lastly, in the worst case scenario, if you have to, it says fight. Um, And we sometimes see it. Sometimes you can feel paralyzed. But one of the things Department of Homeland Security says, throw things at them. I mean, you may not have a gun, but if somebody's about to shoot you, throw something at them, put them on the defensive any way you can. Try to incapacitate them. Absolutely. So anything you can to distract them. And Mm -hmm. then also, really, (coughs) at that point, proximity is key especially for these long gun rifles, they have to be far away from you in order to mm. shoot you. Mm-hmm. So if you're at that point, which let's hope you're not, but if you're at that point coming up to them and grabbing that muzzle to get it away from you, mm-hmm. that definitely incapacitates them. Hmm. Fascinating. And again, I hope nobody's ever in these situations, but if they Absolutely. are, this is why we talk about this because in these situations, it's pan- you can be, you're panicked and you can freeze, but it isn't, as you mentioned, in those last two to three minutes that, that you can truly make a decision that will be the difference between survival or not. So, uh, Jamie, again, thank you so much. This was an awesome conversation. Again, all thank of our you. listeners, you ha- we're listening to Dr. Jamie Jones Coleman, a trauma surgeon, and she's a blogger at HeelsKicksScalpel.com. Please go check it out. You are going to uh, love it. You're going to be obsessed with it. It's so great. I'm Dr. Daria. You're listening to ShareCare Radio on Radio MD. Follow me on Twitter at Dr. Daria or us at ShareCare at ShareCare Inc. Thanks for listening. Catch us next Tuesday at two at 1 p.m. or me today on Facebook Live at 2 p.m. Thanks for listening and stay well. <laughs>